Good morning. Good morning to those that are tuning in online as well. My dad is in Shreveport, Louisiana, and he's planning to tune in today. So good morning, Dad, if you're, if you're online and, and have made it. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. It reads, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm blessed to have the opportunity today to speak on the subject of the relief that we could find in eternity. This lesson, it's ministered to me in the fact this week um, as far as preparation because come this Thursday, our son, was six year, well, who would be six years old, uh, will have the opportunity to remember him. I hope that these past few weeks, these words of Jesus have settled in your hearts. We are living in a world that is in dire need of rest. I'll go a step further. We are living in a world that is in dire need of something easy. It seems as though life is getting hard. We're living in a world even that's in dire need of of a lighter load. Everything seems to be a burden. But most especially, we're living in a world that's in need of an eternal hope. You see, in an eternal hope, there can be found power and persistence. In an eternal hope, there can be found courage and confidence. For in an eternal hope, there too can be found the purpose and drive and will to move forward, especially when the burdens of this life begin to begin to get us down. I want to tell you a story that I heard from an older brother a while back. He said he lived during the Great Depression. He said during that time he was a he was a young boy. And what he can remember about that time was the world around him anyway being in a great frenzy. He said that he remember hearing stories of people who were who were once rich, how they'd go out and commit suicide because they had nothing anymore. You see, it sounded like to me those people, their, their hope was in what they had, their, their purpose, their drive. All of what they lived by was in money, and they no longer had it, thus leaving, leaving them hopeless. But today, I want to talk to you about our eternal hope, the one that can never 
be lost. The hope that will never lose its value or its power. The one that by no surprise can only be found in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And here this part especially. It's reserved for us. Those of us who identify as Christians. I want, today, I want to make today a much cheerful sermon because we have so much to rejoice in. And so I'm going to spend today talking to you about three different things that this eternal hope encompasses. One of them being the hope of a return, two of them being the hope of a resurrection, and the third one being the hope of a family reunion, that is, in heaven. But before I do that, I want to take a moment to establish a, a working definition of, of the word hope. It seems as though the world around us has done a great job at butchering what we know as hope. The world tells us that hope is nothing more than a dream or nothing more than a wish. Um, I hear many people saying, well, I hope I can get a job or I hope I get that particular job or I hope I can win the lottery and, and win big and put some money in the pe- preacher's pocket, if you, if you will, if that's one of your hopes, remember me. <laughs> but hope, Christian hope, is far more than a dream and or a wish. It is the confident expectation. It is us knowing that whatever God says in his word is going to happen. It's going to happen no matter how we feel about it, no matter what we believe about it. If God says it, then it is so. It is so. But as it pertains to this eternal hope, I want for us to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we'll be looking through verses 13 through verse 18 on today. So if you have your Bibles on you, I want you to be able to read and see these words with your own own eyes. The first hope we're going to look at is the hope of a return. Beginning at verse 13, Paul would tell the church at Thessalonica that we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so so that you will not grieve as though the rest of the world who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus I mentioned my son at the beginning of talking this morning, and he passed away three years ago from cancer. But I remember this verse very well because a nurse that was ministering to him, she had a wristband on, and these words were on that wristband. I remember that that day she stepped out of the room and I immediately ran to the Bible or ran to my Bible and looked for that particular that particular verse. And I remember reading these words and I said to myself, God, this this can't be a message for me. But I realized I realized that it was. In fact, I realized that this is a unique promise to those 
who are in Christ, Christ Jesus, those of us who are in the Lord. Wow, what a, what a promise. But Paul, in these verses, he, he uses phrases, some one found in, in verse 13, and I want us to take a look at it. It's, he says, like the rest of the world who have no hope. What does he mean by that? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, he, he gives us a glimpse of what this particular world looks like. He says, as he's talking to the Gentile Christians who are new converts, he says they were separated from Christ. They were excluded from the fellowship of Israel and strangers of God's promise. And check this part out. Having no hope, he says of them, that they were without God in the world. What a scary thought. What a scary world to live in. What a scary worldview to subscribe to. But I want for you all to take a moment to imagine this world of no hope with me. Can you imagine a world of just darkness? Can you imagine just a climate in this world of depression? Can you hear the sorrowful cries of those who've lost loved ones? Can you feel tension, war, and hate, and evil governing everything around you? I've been to funerals of of people who've died without Christ and have family members present who were without Christ. And I remember hearing sorrowful cries of, of wake up to the person lying there in the casket. I remember hearing words uttered such as, I'll never see that person again. Maybe you're, maybe you're finding it difficult to imagine a world of no eternal hope. All you have to do is turn on the TV. It's not difficult to find there. It's not difficult to read and and see that people in our world today, that they are mad, people are hurting. It seems as though everybody has a complex or or an agenda. People, they're skeptics of of everything, and as they feel failed by the system that they've trusted in. Or try listening to some of the music that's being put out there. It's saturated in hopeless, hateful, depressive, and suicidal lyrics. Our girls um, at the children's home played for me a song before written by this famous guy. I don't know his name, but in the lyrics, it's depressive. So depressive, I wanted to cry as he, as he talked about his mom committing suicide. The CDC, they posted a report from 2019, um, a report on suicide, and they attributed 50,000 plus deaths during that year to suicide. I can't even imagine what 2020 and 2021 report will look like and how great those numbers would be. But this, my friend, where I'm getting at is a world 
with no eternal hope. But for Christians, Paul says here in Thessalonians, you don't have to grieve like that. You don't have to live with the burden and uncertainty of death and the afterlife of not knowing what is going to happen to you. You can grieve. That's okay to grieve, but you don't have to grieve as though you don't know what your future will hold. For the dead are just asleep. What do we know about sleep? I think all of us can agree that sleep is it's a temporary state. It is a state of, of renewal, if you will. It's, it's temporary. It's a state of rest. It is where we get our rest. And the expectancy after being asleep is to eventually wake up. I wonder how encouraging these words were to those Christians there at Thessalonica who were who was hearing this. They were losing friends. They were losing family, just like we are today, left and right to persecution, to diseases probably, to natural causes, I bet. But to hear, they're just asleep. Man, I'm sure that changed a lot of hearts. I'm sure that that changed a lot of worldviews. Every time I think of these passages, I could remember my son on two occasions in the hospital. And he'd be telling me with a smile, I'll see you later, Daddy. I remember him telling my daughter, Jalea, who was just a couple of months old, with a smile, I'll see you later, Gia. I remember asking him, I said, Son, why are you saying this? Where, where are you going? You see, I believe even at the age of two years old, not knowing much about what he was going through or or where he was headed, he knew that he would see us, that he would see us again. In my opinion, that's the Christian hope that we can believe in. Wow. Wow. How relieving. But then Paul, he tells us of another hope that we could look forward to. And that is the hope of a resurrection. And that is found in verses 15 and 16. Paul will say, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. I don't think we spend enough time talking about the resurrection. I don't, I believe it's mainly because it's, it's too difficult to, to grasp for some. Even it's, it's too difficult to, to believe. There are many questions that come into play when we go into the conversation about resurrection. And so our natural instinct is to, is to stray away from it or don't even go there. I remember we were preparing for our son's funeral. 
and we were given the option to, to cremate, and we immediately declined that offer. But I began to wonder, and I began to wonder out loud, I wonder what happens to those who, who are cremated in the Lord, and, and their ashes are spread all across, and I wonder what happens. And I'll never forget the director, her response to that. She said, if the God I know can make man out of dust, then surely he could do it again. It seems from the way Paul would paint it here, it, this, this, this resurrection, it'll be something that's, that's instantaneous, sort of like what we've seen throughout the ministry of Jesus when he would call the sun to rise of the, of the weeping widow or call Lazarus out of the tomb. You see, even though it can't be imagined, even though it may be difficult to understand or see right now, resurrection is encompassed in our eternal hope. As I was preparing this, I began to think about some people I would hate to be on that day. I'd hate to be an unbelieving pilot. I'd hate to be an unbelieving gravekeeper. You imagine what the graves and cemeteries would look like on that day. But who I love to be and who I plan to be is a Christian, one who trusts in the Lord and his promises. But according to Paul, in this brief section of Thessalonians, There's one more thing that is encompassed in our hope. And that is the hope of a family reunion. Read with me verse 17. He says, Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. I think in preparation this was my most favorite part. I don't I don't know how familiar you are with the with the family reunion or if you've ever been to a family reunion. So let me paint the picture of some that I've been to and and been able to attend. It's the event that everybody in the family is looking forward to all all year. It is an opportunity to to show off all your new stuff or your new loved one or it's an opportunity or you could expect to eat some of the best foods because you know your aunties and your 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 grandparents are in the kitchen and they they're doing their thing in there and it's an opportunity to to meet new relatives, new people you hadn't you hadn't met and for the most part these family reunions there They're filled with laughter and pure joy. Normally, you hate for them to to come to an end because you realize it'll be a while before you ever see some of these faces again. So you make every effort to tell everyone that you love them, knowing that next year, that next year is in promise. But at an earthly family reunion, all don't make it the following year or so. Some pass on. And so there's always this climate of, of sadness, this, this void, these silent moments in which you remember them. 
But the Christian reunion, the Christian family reunion, it's much different. You see, like an earthly family reunion, we could also expect a heavenly reunion, but with the with the eternal twist, if you will. We'll, we'll have the, the new bodies to show off and it be mortal. We'll be together with family we haven't seen in a long time, according to Paul here. We'll even meet, we'll even meet new family. I imagine us meeting new people every single day and we'll never grow tired of it. There will be no sadness of, of having to depart at this eternal reunion. Can you imagine can you imagine eternal, eternal fellowship? There will be eternal singing, eternal gladness, eternal fellowship. There'll, there'll be no sadness, no burdens, no unrest, anxiety, depression, or fear. These things will have no place at an eternal reunion. Imagine the kisses and hugs, the, the many conversations. Oh, man, I am one who can't wait until this day, this day. But Paul will tell us in verse 18 that we are to comfort each other with these words. Comfort, encourage, console, exhort. Imagine how words like these, if the world knew these words and believed in them, could change a person's life who felt as though they couldn't go any further. Imagine how words like this could change the life of that person who, who sunk into depression and don't, and don't see another way out. Imagine how words like these could change a person's life who, who can't see past what this life has to offer. Imagine how appealing this message could be to these people. I remember six months after our son had, had passed away, we sat across the table from a brother and sister in Christ. And we began to share with them our story, of course, and, and his battle. And I remember, and will always remember, five words that this wife said to us. She said, oh, you'll see him again. They meant the world to me because these weren't words that she just pulled out of the sky. These weren't words that she got out of a, a magazine article. These were the true words of God. That those of us who cling to this eternal hope can trust in. How amazing is that? How effective is the comfort of our God? But even more amazing to me is that these words are for us. These words are, are ours. These words are, are yours. 
you are in Christ Jesus. This is your eternal hope. Well, I'll ask the elders to take your places and and leaders as I begin to close out. I hope that you would choose to cling to words like this when your faith begins to get hard. I hope that you choose to cling to words like this when the burdens they begin to get too heavy when, when lies begin to get too shaky, when, when dear ones, they begin to pass on, when the body don't function the way that it used to, when, when your legs are a little bit more feeble and your eyesight begin to go out, when you're walking a little slower, when it seems as though the world is getting worse and worse, that there is an eternal hope for you right around the corner. I'm convinced that this is the answer to, ha- that ha- to what happens to me when I go. This is the answer to what has happened to my loved ones and friends who have passed on in the Lord. In my opinion, this is a relief to know that I have an eternal hope, that I have a hope that cannot be shaken, one that cannot be moved, one that is set in stone no matter how I feel. And all I have left to say is, praise the God, the living God, for his living and eternal hope. God bless.